Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi, everyone. Oh, my God. I, first off, <laughs> didn't know who was going to start. Had a moment of panic. And second, is something of, <laughs> we're doing this the old school way. Yeah, would you tell everyone why you're laughing a lot? That's why I'm laughing a lot. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 311 mm-hmm. of the Professional Book Nerd Podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill, and I totally had the weirdest moment because I'm so used to, when we had the phone, like yeah. starting an interview, and that's not what we're doing. No, we're not. Um, <laughs> so, just so everyone understands why we're giggling, <laughs> uh, in the past, before we had a recording studio, Jill and I would record all of our introductions onto a phone. And for people who don't know, when we do our interviews over the phone, we basically put one of our phones attached to a really fancy recording app. It's not fancy. It was like $3. <laughs> but it's really good. We put it next to the phone, and that's how we record. So Jill pushed record to for us to have this intro because we're just being lazy and not using computers today. And she like put it up next to the phone and pushed play, like, started. And then we both started giggling. Also, in the past, we used to be so bad at intros, and so we would laugh a lot and have to do them, like, Yeah, over it was a weird moment. We're not being lazy. I got a new work computer, and I just don't have the... Well, I mean, we're being lazy in the sense that we could have used my computer, and oh, I well, could have sent it to you, sure, and we fair. were like, All right. let's not do that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, episode 311. 311. I wanted to make an Amber is the color of your energy joke or something, <laughs> but I didn't. Um... You did an interview for today. So I did. Yeah. So you want to talk about that? Sure. So this is an interview with Alexander Robbins. Um, she is a journalist, an investigative journalist, and she has written books like um, Pledged and The Geek Shall Inherit the Earth and The Overachiever. She will um, pick a subject usually related to young adults or new adults and kind of dig in on the subject um, and following particular uh, individuals. In this case, her new book is called Fraternity, and it is a book that follows two um, young men at college. One is a freshman, and one has been at his college for a while, um, and both are involved in Greek life. And so it is about uh, Greek life and their experiences throughout the, this particular year that she follows them. And she also digs into statistics and data about fraternities, um, what is perhaps true about fraternities what is perhaps not true as portrayed by the media and all that sort of thing i love her books and i was so excited for an opportunity to interview her um i've been reading them for a long time yeah i was just gonna say this is an author that you've talked about a few times i have when her, when her books have come yeah. out so yeah yeah because i was i was uh penguin random house that made a copy of fraternity months ago and so i was i was really excited that it's out now and so other yeah. people can read it <laughs> um so, yeah, we had fun. I, I, The one question, after having read all of her books, the one thing I really wanted to ask was, how does this process work? Like, yeah. you know, in terms of following these, um, you know, because when she, she wrote Pledged about 10 years ago, which is about sororities, and she talks about in the intro um, 
how she was able to pass as a college student, and so she could, like, hang out in the sorority houses as a friend of these girls, and nobody thought anything of it. But obviously with fraternity, that's a little different. And so her answer is interesting. Also being 10 years older. I imagine it was... Well, she, yes, that's part of the answer, too. <laughs> well, okay, yeah. Well, just like you said, this is a wildly different type of mm-hmm. investigative journalism. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. Um, this is definitely one of the interviews where, when we saw who it was, you were like, I want to do that. And I was like, I'm going to get out of your yeah. way and let you do that at yeah. the conversation. Um, if you want to get a hold of us, they can find us on Twitter and Instagram at ProBookNerds. You can go to our website, ProfessionalBookNerds.com. You can email us, professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com, or you could leave comments in an iTunes rating where you give us five stars, and we'll see those. That is also an option. Uh, also, speaking of our social media, if people saw, last week I built new bookshelves in my house, and they're a little bit smaller than our new bookshelves, so my wife had a panic attack with all the, we had all these books that we didn't know what to do with, so I'm going to donate a bunch of them, but I put a message out, and I was like, hey, if anyone wants some free books, tell me what genre you like. And I'll send them to you. And holy crap, we get a lot of responses. For so sure. If you responded to that, I sometimes I like forget how many followers we have and stuff. And there's all the responses was cool. So if you sent me a message and I DM'd you, I will get you books out soon. If I didn't send you a message, I'm sorry. I didn't know how many responses I was going to get. I wasn't expecting it. So I actually ran out of books to give to people. But you're all helping me give books a good home. So I appreciate it. Um, other things you think people should know about? Sure. So... When I was in ALA, Adam did a whole episode about dogs. And uh, this Thursday, I'm talking about cat books. Yeah. So if you were one of those people who were not happy about Adam's anti-cat stance, don't worry. It's not anti-cat. This is a common misconception. I'm not anti-cat. I had a cat growing up. She was a, a queen. She was wonderful. She hated every human. I just prefer dogs. So I think there was a... I didn't, like, trash cats, but people sort of seem to think that. And so I got hate mail. So... I'm aware. I saw it. Whoever wrote that, thank you. I'm excited. I'm excited to hear your cat episode, and I will happily tell all of my millions of cat friends. Thank you. That they should listen in. So yes, we're going to talk about cats on Thursday. It'll just be me. Yeah, I'm not going to be a part of it. No. Yeah, it's fair. It's only fair. So, plus I had to record. I to record all these intros and those episodes by myself, which is, I mean, we were both doing it because you were doing it at ALA and no, recording interviews, but. Exhausting. So I'm gonna, I'm fine with not having to do it next week. <laughs> Makes me excited. I figured. I figured. Okay. Um, also, if you're doing our book challenge, uh, if you go to Twitter, the thing first thing that's pinned on our page is the Professional Book Nerds cha- reading challenge. And then I made a little mini thread of one more uh, tweet with the full collection of recommendations we gave from our most recent episode. So just go to our ho- our Twitter page. You can find information about the challenge, and you can also find a bunch of recommendations that the two of us and Kristen and Emma gave last week. So, is that everything? Cool. I think so. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoy this lovely conversation that Jill had, and then you can also enjoy Thursday's episode full of cat books on the Professional Book Nerds podcast. This is Jill, and today's guest is Alexandra Robbins, an investigative journalist and author of five New York Times best-selling books, including The Overachievers, The Geeks Shall Inherit the Earth, and one of my personal favorites, Pledge, The Secret Life of Sororities. Her writing has also appeared in The New Yorker, The Atlantic, The Wall Street Journal, and Vanity Fair. 
Her latest book, Fraternity, an inside look at a year of college boys becoming men, is out now. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Alexandra. Thanks for having me, Jill. Can you start by giving our listeners a brief introduction to fraternity? Well, uh, I followed two fraternity brothers for a year um, in order to find out what's really going on in fraternities that we don't see in the media. Uh, I wanted to get a sense of fraternity life from the perspective of the guys who are going through it, and especially what they're thinking of in a broader sense of, about what it means to be a man in America today. So when I first started following um, Jake, one of the two guys, he's a new follow, a new college freshman. Um, he was anxious and he was lonely as he tried to transition to college life. And he said to me, there's nowhere to look this stuff up. Um, so as soon as he said that, I realized that this book had to be more than about more than just fraternities. It's really about the college experience because we couldn't think of a book, he and I, that um, is a realistic nonfiction portrayal about college life that's actually fun to read. Um, so I wanted to write about that, and I meant the book to be sort of a fun, uh, user-friendly read for both students and parents um, that can also spark discussions about important issues because it's always less awkward to talk about book characters than about yourself. So many of your books focus on young adults who are kind of on the precipice of adulthood. What about that topic interests you so much? And what made you, well, I guess you just explained why you wanted to talk about fraternities this time around. <clears throat> um, I think they're underrepresented. My entire career has been pretty much about uh, standing up for voices that aren't heard. And while it might seem a little strange to say so, the reality is that the voices of good boys who don't cause trouble and who don't exemplify uh, what society perceives to be toxic masculinity aren't really heard because people often sort of lump them, lump them together with the bad guys and just sort of discount what they have to say. So that's how this book sort of fell into the spectrum uh, of my work. Um, in terms of why I like focusing on students and young adults, they're just so fun. <laughs> I love them. Um, they just, they're so... They're underestimated, and they have this this outlook on the world that's not yet jaded, and they're hungry, and they're interesting, and they're curious, and I just think they're so much fun to hang out with. <laughs> uh, I will say that one thing I really did enjoy about your book was that it wasn't really what I expected. I, I, I didn't go Greek when I was in college. I have no experience with um, with Greek life, and so everything I know about fraternities comes from pop culture, which makes it all seem a lot more toxic and extreme than it really is. And your book does a really good job of showing that other side. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I think a lot of fraternity members think they're under siege. They feel like they're under siege because the media sort of presents this caricature of Greek life. And the reality is it's a minority of groups that are represented in the media. And there are hundreds of thousands of guys out there who are not that way and who feel like they're being stereotyped. Um, by the horrible actions of a few bad apples, as they call them. And so, yeah, I thought it was important to show the other side of the story. And, you know, and it's not 100% rosy either, but I figured this way parents uh, and students can see what's going on 
Um, they can see the worst of all experience. They can see the positive. They can see the negatives. And that way they know what discussions to have at home before they go to college or even in high school for some of these issues. And they know what conversations to have if their student does enter Greek life or if their student doesn't enter Greek life but decides to party with them. You know, all of these, um, there are all these ways that Greek life sort of can dominate and intersect with everyone's college experiences. So it's important to know, um, to know and understand this sector more than the media shows. Someone who has read, I think, all of your books, uh, one thing I've always wanted to ask you is how you find your subjects. You know, you the book follows Jake and then another um, young man called Oliver, but then you also have quotes from um, Greek members and fraternity members from all over the country about their experiences. Like, how do you find these people? Yeah, it depends on the book. For my very first book, I remember I was putting up flyers in like gyms. <laughs> I mean, that was before that was before social media. It was a lot harder. So I, I do love Facebook because it makes it a lot easier to sort. Um, for this book, I actually got really lucky with Jake. Um, uh, Oliver, I found through a mutual. You know, I, I get I get a lot of people who um, are interested and who send me answers to questions, and then I follow up with people who I think might be interesting to follow, and then I sort of winnow them down. Um, an adult in Oliver's life, not a relation, um, suggested that he might be a, the kind of guy I was looking for. Because I was looking for um, good, smart, considerate, self-aware guys who would be the opposite of the kind of stereotypical, lunk-headed fraternity guy in the media. Um, with Jake, I got so lucky. So he, a lot of uh, schools across the country read one of my books, um, The Overachievers, which is about the pressure on students to succeed. It's sort of part of the curriculum in, in, um, in several schools. And I get a lot of thank you notes from students who read it. And I try to respond to everybody. But with Jake, I just wanted to keep up the conversation because there was just something about his voice. He was so earnest and so kind of awkward and, and interesting and just, I don't know, I felt like if I knew him, like, I would just want to just, like, buy him milk and cookies all the time. <laughs> um, and so we kept in touch, and this was, uh, <clears throat> he thanked me the spring of his senior year of high school, and it was just a couple months later that I decided to write this book, and it was a couple months after that when people were like, I really think you should follow students again. I was thinking of not doing it because, frankly, it's exhausting. And you don't know how the stories are going to turn out. So it's kind of stressful wondering, okay, well, is this going to be an interesting read or not? And if it's not an interesting read, then do I have to, you know, dismiss one of the students who has already spent so much time uh, invested in this project, which I've never had to do, thank goodness. But anyway, um, when it was suggested that I follow people again, uh, I reached out to Jake and I said, hey, you're not rushing a fraternity, right? Figuring he wasn't the, and I'm putting this in air mm -hmm. quotes, he wasn't the type. Um, and he said, oh, actually I am because my dad was in one and he thinks I should have that experience too. And I was floored and I <laughs> said to him, well, would you maybe want to be a main character in my book? Just like, and I named some of the characters in The Overachievers. And he said, oh, it was so cute. He said, oh, my goodness, it would be an honor and a privilege. So from the, from the get-go, he knew what it meant to be followed for my books. And he was so um, invested in how the story would feel to readers to the point where, I mean, he told me everything. Like, the things you know about him are not things that you should know about him yeah. now that you've read the book. Um you know, there are some embarrassing things that happen to him. He is very open about his hookups and his feelings. And 
uh, just the entire experience. Um, and I feel like there's there's no precedent for that. This is sort of an unprecedented look into the mind of a teenage boy adjusting to college. And I just feel so fortunate that he was willing to take that journey with me. That's actually really fun that he had he was already familiar with their books and and knew what it meant to be in one. Yeah, and even you know, I, I always share um, just the parts. Uh, I share the sto- the character's story with the student, and anytime he's mentioned in the book before the final draft, just okay. so they can look um, and see see what's being written about them. And I don't change things because they regret something, but if they feel something isn't accurate or if they feel that um, I didn't quite capture their voice correctly or you know, something like that, then, then we make changes. And there usually aren't very many changes um, that they request to make, but I also um, make sure they read their story so that if they feel that there's something that could be an identifying detail mm. that could harm them later, then I want them to have the chance to say, wait, hold up, this this is a detail that we really should change. And I was really surprised because with Jake, um, whose story was not, I'm not going to spoil the plot for, for your listeners, but his story was not 100% positive. Um, I thought he would want to change more details so he would be less identifiable. But he, was, he went the other way. Mm-hmm. He said, no, we need to keep this because that's what really happened. And I want readers to understand what really happened from my perspective. Um, so I, so that's, how, that's how much he understood about what it's like to be a main character in a nonfiction book um, that reads like a story that, that readers you want readers to get engaged with. I mean, he was really, he cared about the reading experience, hmm. which was so cool. No, that is <laughs> I mean, really cool. So young. <laughs> no, I, I have to say that one of my favorite things about your books is your ability to kind of drop us into this world and um, make us feel like we are living the experiences right beside them. I, I'm curious though with, uh, with this, how you got the information, you know, I know with pledge, you talk a little bit, I think in the beginning about how you could pass as a, college student and so you hanging around the sorority houses wasn't really a big deal but I feel yeah, I'm like old now. <laughs> right and I feel like uh, a woman hanging out at a fraternity house would be a little bit more noticeable so how That'd did be it so creepy <laughs> <laughs> right so how did it work with um Jake and Oliver sharing their experiences with you yeah, in, in the beginning, someone in the publishing industry was like, oh, well, you can go back into this world again. I'm like, I'm in my 40s. There's no <laughs> way in hell I'm going undercover in my 40s. I'm too old, I'm too tired, and that's just not happening. Um, yeah, so I can't explain every like, everything I did. Right. But, uh, and, you know, there was some covert stuff going on, but I was not. People were like, oh, well, did you disguise yourself as a house mom and sort of embed in the house? I did not do that. Um but yeah, there was some covert stuff, but but there was also a lot of phone calls. I mean, Rush, for example, I'm not going to go uh, join Jake on his uh, recruitment events because there are no women in the house. That'd right. be really weird. Um, so every night of Rush, he was on the phone with me as soon as he got home from the Rush parties at night, and you know we'd be on the phone for hours breaking everything down. Um, it, these guys were just really willing to share everything um, anyway that uh, we had to to do to get it well I think that's interesting because especially with 
you know, Greek life, they're, um, they're somewhat secretive about a lot of the, the hazing and, and the rituals that happen within their houses. But it sounds like they were okay kind of breaking that a little bit. Well, Jake and Oliver were. Their right. brothers don't know right. that they're in this book. Yes, I hope I hope that <laughs> we'll see. Um, uh, you know, they were a little nervous about that. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll see what happens. I remember with Pledge, there was a moment when um, one of the girls texted me and said, you won't believe this, but two of our sisters are sitting on the lawn next to us reading the book right now, and we're freaking out. <laughs> um, so I guess that does happen. Well, we'll have to see. I don't know if people will be as... Um... With Pledge, there was a big push within the Greek community to try and figure out who these girls were and, and what school they were at. I don't know if there will be that push again. I know there's been some buzz about trying to figure it out, but since there are only two guys in this book and they're at different schools, um, yeah, we'll see. It, it'll be interesting. Oh, and you had asked earlier, I forgot, you had asked earlier about how I get all these hundreds of other guys. Right. It's really just um, you know, at this point in my career, I have email lists, I have Facebook, and I, if, I, if I put out a call for sources, then I do get a lot of responses. And then with those responses, I say, hey, do you know anyone else who might be interested in sharing their opinion? And it just sort of spirals from there. Um, on the subject of one of your other books, you did mention how, you know, asking Jake how he felt about being a, a character um, in a nonfiction book. And I think, you, you know, you use a lot of creative writing techniques. And I'm thinking specifically of the geek Sean Hare at the Earth in particular, where, uh, not to spoil anything, but there is a character we are following where we are led to assume they fit in the same demographic as all of the others. And then halfway yeah. through the book, you totally turn it Bye. on its head. That, that was one of the best book twists I have ever read. I was floored. <laughs> ah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to replicate that one. I keep thinking, hmm, can it be a twist in this next book? But. With the last one and with this one, I was like, no, I can't top that one. <laughs> yeah, that just, I mean, I was just, I, I was floored. I was utterly floored by it. I mean, it, it's a question that, you know, how how you want readers to experience the book and what perspective do, do you want them to have and what voices do you want them to hear. And uh, in some cases, it can be really helpful to make readers think one thing and then something else. And, and I guess there is, the, it's, the twist in this book is not, that right um but i feel like if you read the beginning of fraternity you're going to have a very you're not going to how can i say this differently um when you read the beginning of fraternity you you would be shocked at how it ends um given what happens to the characters one in particular right um but there's not some stunning like (laughs) oh my gosh this character like take off the scooby-doo mask not that kind of twist no (laughs) those are fun if i can put those in the book i I do just because they're fun to read and and so many people are like oh i don't read nonfiction. it's kind of boring so when i write nonfiction, i write the nonfiction that i feel like people want to read in a fiction book and the kind of nonfiction that I like to read, which is the kind that you can, you know, curl up with and get lost in. And then, oh, at the end, you're like, oh, yeah, this is all real. And I just maybe learned something. That's that's my favorite kind of nonfiction to read. So that's what I try to write. Right. And I think you do a really good job of it um, because it it does sometimes, especially when you're following the 
the subjects of your books, it, it does feel like a novel. And I have to remind myself that, oh, no, this is these are real guys that I'm following along with. Yeah, and we're going to um, probably with the with the paperback or maybe I'll put it on the web after enough people read um, the hardcover. Um, we're going to do an um, sort of an addendum. It'll probably be an epilogue at some point, but maybe I'll post it before that where you get to hear from Jake and Oliver after the book and see what their thoughts were. You know, Jake, Jake and I have already had multiple conversations about what he thinks about the book after the fact, now that he's been removed um, uh, yeah. from his freshman year for a while. And, and I, and I like that. And I, in the nonfiction books that have done that before, I've always, um, I've always been really interested to know, well, what happened next and what happened now and what do they think? So I, I understand how people feel about getting engaged with um, nonfiction characters. For sure. It's so it's so funny to call them characters too. I mean, they're people. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, no, in my, when I, in my questions, I think I had characters in quotes because it's not really a character because they're real people, but I don't know right. how else to describe them. Me neither. I have no idea. <laughs> I do that too. I put it in quotes. <laughs> So while researching and writing the book, was there anything you learned about fraternities that really surprised you? I think it's more what I learned. I think what really surprised me is how much people don't know about mm-hmm. fraternities. Um, and especially, you know, parents of high school and college students, they're missing so much information that they need to know, um, but they don't. And so, like, just the sheer amount of advice and myth-busting information that the students shared with me and the massive amount of research that has not been published in the mainstream media, yeah, you know, everything from what you really need to know about distinguishing healthy fraternities from unhealthy fraternities to, you know, why students are actually drinking so much more uh, in college. It, it's not what people think. There, there are so many misperceptions going on in college and among students, and it's just not reported. And, and if people understood um, this information, I think a lot of the problems on campus uh, could be improved. I think that's that's actually a good point um, because you do the the book isn't just you following along with Jake and Oliver. You have it's full of statistics and data points that can be really useful for, as you said, um, the boys themselves and their parents if they are considering Greek life. Yeah, and, and I try and, you know, when I look at studies and I try and synthesize the information, I try and write them in a uh, in an interesting, relatable way. So it's not just like data, statistics, data, right. statistics, but, but let's tell a story about the information, too. And, you know, one of the takeaways is that uh, students uh, are drastically overestimating how often their classmates are drinking and how often their classmates are having sex. So many students are trying to sort of keep up with the Joneses, except the Joneses don't really exist, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so at the end of all of our uh, interviews, we have something we call the Nerd Nine, which are nine. It's oh, like a lightning okay. round. It's like a lightning round. So don't. Oh, no. It's okay. It's... <laughs> so what is the last book you finished reading? Um, what did I just finish? Uh, oh, um, Blackout by Connie Willis. Your favorite place to read? Uh, in, well, I read in bed every single night, so I guess that's my favorite. Well, favorite would be at the beach. Oh. Um, sorry, now I'm beyond lightning round responses. Okay. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what book made you fall in love with reading? Oh, man. I started reading when I was 
really young. So I, I can't remember when I didn't love reading, but I do remember that uh, one time I got locked in my bedroom accidentally and my parents couldn't get me out, but I, I was okay because I was reading this book called Ronnie and Rosie. I don't remember anything about it. I just remember they couldn't get me out of my room for like an hour and they had to break down the door, but I wasn't panicking because I was reading Ronnie and Rosie. <laughs> oh, that's hysterical. Uh, one place you'd like to travel to that you haven't been to yet? Japan. Favorite holiday? Um, anything with food. I don't know. Thanksgiving, I guess. <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> or my birthday. My birthday. Yeah. <laughs> Coffee or tea? Uh, hard cider. <laughs> that works too. Uh, cats or dogs? Dogs. Favorite food? Cake. And if you could have dinner with one person dead or alive, who would you pick? My grandma. I miss her. That's a good answer. Finally, what would you like readers to take away from reading fraternity? I want people to um, understand that teenage guys, there's a lot more to teenage guys than we see in the media, and that most of them are actually good guys, and that the headlines represent such a small percentage of fraternity members that we often forget that fraternities also have hundreds of thousands of good guys who could be our our sons, our nephews, our grandsons, our neighbors. And we ought to try to um, understand their perspective before we dismiss and stereotype them. That's great. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. That was fun. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then, there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.